0: This is a News Laundry podcast.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Biraj Swain. This is Facebook Live on News Laundry. Today we are discussing the plight of domestic workers in India and if a class war is impending. Why are we discussing that? because the incidents, recent incidents in the Mahagun modern society in Noida are the major trigger. But we have been meaning to do this deep dive discussion for a long time, because Indian media has had many inflection points to do a deep dive coverage, at least from Devyani Khobragade, Sangeeta Richards, Fraka in 2013 till date. So here we are, and we have a kick ass panel. Uh, let me introduce the panelists from right vivek say hello yeah,
2: hello everyone
1: vivek everybody knows is our colleague at news laundry he's a books and desk editor over here he is actually the co conceptualizer of the show because we've been distressed by the indian writing in english and the tone deafness and the entitlement in the english writing when it comes to maids domestic workers and we thought we should do one but now that modern mahagun has happened we thought abhi nahi to fir kab Professor Sanjay Srivastav, say hello.
3: Hi, hello. Hi.
1: Professor Sanjay Srivastav is a guru and a commentator on everything urban. He is a sociologist professor at the Institute of Economic Growth and his latest book is Entangled Urbanism, Slum, Gated Community and Shopping Mall in Delhi and Gurgaon, which is out with uh, Oxford University Press. No, that's Welcome. OUP, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Indu Prakash Dr Indu Prakash Singh hi Indu works with the ActionAid International which is an international NGO I think it's an Indian entity no? That's it's an Indian, Indian an... he leads a global campaign called City Makers which is about recognizing the contribution of domestic workers construction workers sanitation workers rag pickers into the making and maintaining of a city and why our cities need to be more inclusive and last but Definitely, I think, the most eminent in the entire panel, Sonal Sharma. Sonal is a research scholar at uh, Johns Hopkins University. He's researching on domestic workers and he's been very magnanimous and kind to let me allow, allowed me to share this with the world that his mother used to be a domestic worker. Welcome, Sonal. Thank you. So, before we start, three full disclosures. We did try to get a domestic worker to be part of the panel, and the reason we could not get one is because there is genuine real fear that if they come on a deep dive discussion on camera, they might be completely unemployable. We also tried to get somebody from Mahagun Modern Society or one of this plethora of super luxury resident welfare associations. But while they are very happy to give a statement. They are not willing to come for a deep dive discussion. And I think it's not surprising to guess the reason why. Last but not the least, if you've read me or listened to my podcast, you do know I have a fierce position against all male panels. So why am I hosting my first Facebook live with an all male panel? Because one of our female panelists who is into organizing domestic workers, opted out in the last minute because of some medical emergency. But trust me, this panel is so sensitive and knowledgeable that there is nothing manual about them. So let's begin. A few statistics first. So according to the UN Women High Level Panel, 85% of women working in India are in the informal sector. So if you count the construction workers, the domestic workers, and the ones employed in home-based work, it adds up to more than 50 million. According to the 2011 census, from 1991, that is the economic liberalization to two 2011 in 20 years at least there has been a spike in domestic workers number by 120 percent and as per the Domestic Workers Skills Council, which is the government of India body headed by amod Kant, he says it seems right now by any conservative estimate there are 20 million domestic workers in India. So any which way you look at it, the numbers are staggering. And just for the sheer numbers, the Indian media should be having much more conversation about it. So Sonal, give us a working definition of domestic workers. Tell us if there is any agency when somebody decides or is at all... Is it driven by desperation? And also tell us, when does an employer decide to hire a domestic worker?
0: Yeah, the working definitions are going by ILO, because after the ILO convention in 2011 on domestic work, uh, the definition is that you know a domestic worker is somebody who's employed by or in household. So I think the household is very important when we look at domestic work. Ranging from driver to gardeners, cook, nannies, all these uh, fall in the category of domestic work. Uh, but you know, uh, when we look, there are some domestic workers looking at like you know security guards, drivers who relatively have like you know better paid jobs compared to those who clean homes. And there is also this gender segregation. So while talking about this definition, one also has to look at uh, uh, you know gender segregation, which defines uh, uh, domestic work. I think that the question of uh, uh, agency. Uh, uh, to me, how I look at it, and like you know, uh, there is uh, ample like evidence on this that you know men or women take up domestic work under like serious economic desperation. There is evidence which shows that you know societies which happen to be most unequal also tend to have like the highest number of domestic workers. You know, the like a like larger uh, percentage of uh, working population work as domestic workers. Based on my research in past, I've realized that you know uh, domestic workers do not look at their work as something they choose but it is something they choose under serious economic constraints, sometimes uh, because they are women and they have to also take care of their household responsibilities. Domestic work allows them certain kind of flexibility, you know, due to which they can earn some money, but also take care of household responsibilities. But the reality is that there is there is very little dignity uh, in paid domestic work, and that's precisely because of the you know the conditions under which this work. So takes it's the last place.
1: resort, basically. But yeah. when does an employer decide? Is it like keeping up with Joneses? I think Vivek, you ha- had a discussion with Rupti Lahiri on it. Right. Why don't you say when well, do part employers of that decide? Well,
2: the need to then, because um, and that's another thing, of course. So a, there's a couple of questions, and then I want to jump in. A, so a, we are using the term domestic worker, but there's very. Um, strange uh, use, especially in the international media, of using the phrase helper, which Mm. almost robs a lot of agency, as if it's a very casual, less stressful thing. Um, And so when we then also talk about the need for domestic help, right? That's a two-pronged thing that I have questions about. One, of course, is um, how much help does one need? in that, you know, how are we defining the context of work, All right, the labor, is it per hour, is it per effort? None of this is measured or regulated from what I'm aware. The other is, of course, got to do with the strange gender disparity, which also falls down to this idea then that when we talk about the career woman who is, again, this career is forged on what on the back of yet another woman does that still kind of work right yeah. and yeah the keeping up with the joneses model of you need to then like you know as you move on it um,
1: up uh, the ladder exactly yeah. the modern
2: margot is a prime example i i i think there's maybe 1,200 or 25 uh, families, but 600 domestic workers, not counting guards, hmm. are used to keep one building complex hmm. functioning. Hmm. And uh, this is
1: where? In Delhi? This is
2: modern of... Mahagandrani. This is, this is a okay. very infamous symbol okay. of opulent fuckery.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. So just to plug, um, Vivek has done a brilliant interview with Tripti Lahiri on the book Made in India. You might want to check that also. Sanjay, do you want to weigh in?
3: I just wanted to add some larger context um, both to supplement both uh, what Sona and Vivek saying. I mean, you know, domestic labour has been a part of uh, the, this form of domestic labour has been part of modern Indian life for many years, not anything new. But what I think the earlier situation was different in as much as we're naturalized. Mm. it was naturalised. People became part of your family, there were your uncles and aunts, which tended to then um, pretend this pretense that it was a, a nicer form of exploitation. Yeah. I think what has changed as the economy has changed is that people are no longer willing to consider domestic labour as Part of the family because the larger context of saying that contract labor is good—that right. we are all part of a public-private partnership uh, um, kind of context—so that there's an older form of exploitation, there's a newer form of exploitation. So That's which a, one is
1: more inhuman?
3: It's a well, you know, the older form is kind of a noblest oblige that you know I will look after you. It's uh, difficult for me to say which is more inhuman, but if if you had to choose a terrible choice, you would have to say that maybe the older form was in some ways. People took more responsibility, people worked in the house. And also, and the other thing that's happened is that now there's entirely a new group that thinks that it is the exploited class. It's the middle class that thinks that it is exploited, not the poor. Ah, so now right. you have know, the whole notion the of ridge, who is the ordinary yeah, yeah. person. Yeah. I am the ordinary person, not the people who live in slums. Whereas no. earlier, 40, 30, 40 years ago, the ordinary person was the poor person. Absolutely. Now with, say, the Ahmadmi notion, Ahmad. I am, people like me, we pay our taxes, we pay our electricity, others people steal, etc. So that has meant that the older connection, as exploitative as it was that existed between the person who worked in the house and and, and you as the employer, that has completely broken down. Uh And that you have to understand the larger context, what's happened to the economy and the ideas of entrepreneur and contract labor. And these people come to your house, but they must go back to their slums.
1: Right. Uh, Indu, I know you've been... Shining a spotlight on the nature of city making of domestic workers. Yeah,
4: Uh, yeah, see, in fact, uh, agreeing to what uh, friends have shared here, I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, we consider the domestic workers, you know, uh, as actually domestic workers and homeless and all these people as city makers, because if they were not there, the city wouldn't have got made. The lives of the people who are running city would not have been running as smoothly as it appears. So I think, you know, and we also have got a domestic worker and I must say that we call a home manager. They're home managers, you know, without whom I think the homes will just crumble and crush. So this element of that, like when they made the city with their sweat and labor, they have every right to cities, amenities and facilities. They are not leeches, they are not parasites. Actually, the people who don't pay them minimum wages, people who don't pay them uh, the due, are the ones who are the marauders, you know. Yeah. So I think we need to watch out. And for us, in fact, surely they are the city makers, you know.
1: Okay.
2: What is the minimum wage right now?
4: I think Sorry. it was like thirty-two thousand 30, 30,
2: five hundred. Right, that's what I was thinking, yes. right? Yes, yeah. yes. So yes, this yes. is what we have, Absolutely. the government has established. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So uh, we'll talk about the working yeah. conditions and the service conditions. Vivek, can you give a recap to our viewers and listeners about uh, what happened in Modern on July 12th? And these, we will talk about the state reaction later, but just give us a telegraphic uh, right, sequence sorry, of Sorry. Yeah, I
2: used them as an immediate peg because they were right there. Yeah. So... July 12th um, there is immediately the police are involved but the facts as far as that are indisputable right now is this woman that worked in one of the houses uh, the Sates in Magun Morden Zora Bibi Zora Bibi disappeared for a day did not come back to the Islam area that is a considerable distance from where this place is located. So her husband and a bunch of other people from the area, many of whom work there. So they're also familiar with the area, they know the guards, you know, decided to go there the next day. I mean, during the day as well. So there's nothing untoward or sketchy or shitty about this to find out why she hadn't come back, right? It's not as if there's cell phones back and forth that you can do this thing. They're there, the guards are not letting them in. Then they do find her. A lot of this is also reported by one of the residents there, a journalist called uh, Nilajna Bomek who's been doing yes. really good work. Kind of, yes. but has also been receiving threats from the other residents. Yes, yes. For I
1: believe she put a Facebook post saying, "This is the first time we need to check up privilege," and I feel very well. She was the one who yeah, yeah, also was in yeah. charge
2: of like getting her to the hospital mm. and and things like that. But so that's how you suddenly realize is like and uh, there's this you know picture of. Um, this woman and like so the claim that the states make, who who employed her in one of the houses is she had stolen um, sixteen thousand rupees or sixteen thousand five hundred yeah. um, that kind like the reports yeah. you know shift around because five hundred yeah. is that important but. I mean, for the people that's important, they're not reading these same papers. Right. They're, uh, I mean, and she claimed those were her wages that they hadn't paid. Yeah. But what she's also then saying is that they had they wouldn't let her leave the house and that, in fact, they had hit her and that abused her. They claim that's not what happened. Uh, the police are saying that CCTV footage that no one's actually seen. We'll come to the police and yeah, the straight reaction. Yeah. So
1: this is what... Uh, but was, this is what's happened.
2: And but then the her family and friends? Are not allowed into the complex. And stone pelting... Uh, takes place. Windows are broken. Uh, no one is hurt. This part's important to me. Yeah.
1: No but one is hurt. No Absolutely hurt. no one but is hurt.
2: But as the footage that uh, that we see, uh, the guards are also, you know, throwing back stones. They're also, you know, retaliating. De- retaliating. Yeah. So it's not as if, you know, it's this hold a barbarian's enemy at the gate scenario. Yeah. There is an actual thing. Uh, Twelve men are arrested, including the husband as yeah. well, baby. That is what we know. The okay. charges that they are arrested
1: for. We'll talk about that. Ah, we'll talk about okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So that is exactly what is triggering this conversation, and we really hope now the Indian media will stop ostriching this issue. Uh, let's talk working conditions and service conditions. We've read, um, we've read about the rate cards in Bombay. Um,
2: uh, and Noida as well. Uh, in Bosch societies colonies. like this, yeah.
1: uh, We've read in a Quora discussion about separate lift for drivers and maids in Gurgaon, and we have also read about the absolute lack of self-awareness and insularity amongst people who have participated in this discussion that this is not discrimination and this is not modern-day slavery. Actually, can I just ask one
2: question? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When we're talking about uh, the kind of domestic work we're talking about before we get to the meat of the matter, is that a South Asia only thing? I'm thinking of that Tizon article in the Atlantic, right? Do we? Is there an equivalent of this in Europe? Is there an equivalent of this in the United States? Because... Not only is there our own internalized bias, but also there's this external need to present, like, no, 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 this is all a happy society. There's no hint of feudalism here, kind of thing. But that's yeah, what Sandhya? it is. Is that true? Um, look, no. I mean, there are clearly West continuities Asia, and what happens imagine, in yeah. West Asia and West Singapore,
3: Asia, for example, yeah. where there's a hierarchy between the Filipinas and the Indians. But I think that in our senses, in our case, um, the sense of naturalization is much higher. Whereas I think there is a sense of outrage, which is not to say that, you know, it doesn't happen in other parts, but I think we have managed to see it as a much more as a normal part of our lives. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I just quickly want to add to what Hindu was saying. You know, so one of the things also happened is that there's been a great shift in our society from looking at production to consumption. So we don't want to have anything to do with how things are produced, who cleans the house, who yes, cooks. Yes. So if people who are producing invisibilis- things need to be cleared out. Yeah, so, so they some yeah. So yeah no longer our middle classes think that the idea of labor needs to look at only the idea of consuming and domestic labor is labor that produces things absolutely but that huge shift that's happened in the last couple of decades has also meant a great distancing from people who produce things to people who consume things which are who are people like us devaluation of production of any kind yeah
1: i think that's a perfect segue for a bit of research that we had done so why go W-E-I-E-G-O, Women in Informal Employment Globalizing and Organizing. That's the umbrella organization of women in informal labor. They have actually given a draft consultation legislation to the government of India, considering the kind of rampant exploitation, which is anti-diluvian and goes back to colonial times, and also sort of the extreme hierarchy and inequality that Sanjay just told us. So VIGO says that the working conditions need to improve and the service conditions has to be contractualized and some amount of formality needs to come in. International Labour Organization, which is the gold standard of labour negotiations and labour standards, has actually put out the decent work team, has put out the indecent work which is going on in India, especially the degradation In the quality of labor and the increasingly casualization of labor. And the third uh, research that we did, we've done a lot of hard work for this. FP Life is by UN Women's Commission on Status of Women, who said care economy is the most underpaid and underrecognized economy. And that's, as you've heard from all the pandas, that is the bellwether of domestic work. So they've called for, and by the way, India is signatory to all of this, huh? from ILO to WIGO to UN's Commission on Status of Women. So there are violations of international covenants also happening. So they have this time in 2017, they have called out for the declaration says that care economy needs to be adequately remunerated and some amount of formalization has to come in. And the gender parity gap also needs to bridge. So Sonal, tell us a bit about the working conditions and the service conditions at this point of time, the current state of play.
0: Yeah, I mean, though it's a common knowledge, but I will still like, you know, repeat all the issues yeah. which domestic workers face. Uh, workers are not allowed to use toilets and there are separate toilets. So you will look at like many of these housing societies will have a separate toilets for security guards, domestic workers.
1: I thought they were not used to ro- uh, use toilets because Mahagun Modern, we have read reports that the toilets they clean, they cannot use them.
0: No, no, that's what I'm saying, that yeah. there are separate toilets. Uh-huh. So like one housing society will have one toilet. Hmm. And uh, employers who, uh, you know, sometimes, as you know, I interview workers, workers say that, you know, when workers are allowed to use toilets, they are made to clean those toilets. So these are the, you know, conditions which actually make domestic work a very, you know, undignified work, Uh, there is untouchability. We cannot, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, look at domestic work without talking about history of caste and, you know, how it has been organized historically. Uh, So uh, there are separate tumblers for workers. You know, workers are not allowed to drink waters from, like, in the same source as employers drink. So some of these issues, uh, as I was saying in the beginning, uh, that, you know, there is very little dignity and if you have to talk about dignified domestic work, we have to look at things which make it stigmatic which is the treatment workers often get.
4: Um, So
1: Sonal is a researcher and writer. He's not used to speaking to the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Indu, you want to talk about
4: Uh, In fact, I just want to say that... um, And what is...
1: Sorry, what is the... uh, So we just talked about 13,500 being the minimum wages in Delhi for unskilled work. What is the kind of uh, earnings right now that domestic workers make if they, let's say, work for like 12-hour shift? Which anyway is exploitative, but still. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, like, what if are the kind of money for they for a 12-hour shift, then they maximum make, like, eight to 9,000. Sometimes it also varies which kind of area you're working in. Yeah. But mostly, I mean, it's you usually don't make more than that.
4: Okay. See, in terms of, in talking about working conditions and all, I just want to say here that, you know, uh, there is a total bias against uh, the domestic workers. Like, we, you uh, I am want to share from a personal example, that we have this uh, home manager, Zarina. We were told by one elderly person that don't employ Muslims.
1: Mm.
4: I want to tell you that clearly.
1: We'll talk about that also. Yes, you know. So
4: I think there's already these kind of discriminations happening as such, and uh, you know, in terms of working conditions, as Sonal has mentioned, I think it's something despicable. It's something shocking that you know this persists in a country which talks about equality, liberty, justice, and everything. You know, it's it's rampant.
1: Mm. Sanjay.
3: I just, you know, I, you know we begin with the assumption when we're dealing with people who work in house that mm-hmm. they are criminals because there's a whole system that they have to be registered. So, the automatic assumption is that they're criminals, but there's no such assumption about so people the tax fraud. Like so, the us. tax
1: fraud is not crime? No, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, that
3: is the first Bank-load assumption. that's loan waivers that we are make. not crime. You yeah. go to any uh, gated community, you see that you must, it's a sign saying you must register your yeah. mates, otherwise, they will not be allowed to work. Ask any woman who's working in, the, uh, in a household to go to a police thana, get herself registered, and then you find out the kind of even even if, if you think it's okay, what happens to someone like yes, that. You know, yes. we begin with the assumption because we have I think a middle class which is largely callous and completely unthinking.
1: And you think it's also a lot of paranoia, this whole security the but paranoia. security
3: is also a matter of prestige for us. Mm-hmm. You know, security is it's an aesthetic, it's, yes. it's prestigious. Uh, everyone wants to have security CCTVs. So, and so and our first, and for that, you need a population, you can say, is the criminal population. Right, right. right. So, and that's, yeah. I mean, you know, we look at uh, and the manner in which we automatically assume that uh, the poor people who, who uh, are automatically criminal, and we have naturalized that, saying that's a wonderful thing. If
0: I may just add to that. I mean, you know, when we talk about working conditions, Uh, what we are asking for is like, you know, workers' rights should be protected. Actually, the state has regulated domestic work, I will say, because the way we see that, you know, uh, the the process of police verification... Like, you know, the police department on its website, it Mm. actually represents workers as criminals. Mm. So it has regulated domestic work, Mm. but by looking at them as uh, criminals, not Mm. as workers, it has not protected workers' rights. And uh, uh, domestic work should be regulated to protect workers' rights.
1: So that's a brilliant question we've just got from Tagore Bhagwan, Ravindra... Uh, on FB, that why are the domestic workers made? Thanks for uh, logging in and asking this question. And please fire away. So he's asking, I presume it's a he. Why are domestic workers needed to prove their uh, non-criminality and there are all these background checks? What about employers, the potential employers who are also exploiters and abusive? So I think. Calling for a public registry of employers is equally important. But it's weaponized poverty, the dice, right. yeah. So the dice is so but, heavily loaded against. But is that the, then
2: guilt against your own accumulation yeah, of wealth? Absolutely. Because oh well, of course you'd have to be criminal. Who wouldn't hmm. want all this crap to be on? Like, yeah. is, is, I mean, but that's that's essentially yes. what the underlying premise is.
1: So let's talk state reaction now. Uh, Vivek and I have been talking about how strange it is that we have body system in the defense forces orderly system in the bureaucracy, perpetuation of manual scavenging in many government offices at this point of time as we speak, and violation of minimum wages in a lot of government construction sites. It's almost as if the government is perpetuating and promoting and normalizing exploitation. So in that context, um, Sonal, I'll start from you. I want you to tell about the state reaction with reference to the Mahagun modern. And the three actors, the instruments of state, that I want you to talk about is the police, the Noida authority, and the famous MP come culture minister... Uh, Mahesh Sharma. Yeah.
0: No, I mean I think uh, uh, of course there is a very clear class bias in how the state has responded, and something which is not specific to this incident, but in general we know clearly. I mean I was uh, reading about like you know uh, the entire story and how it was covered as like a riot-like situation, right? Started by uh, you know the residents of this uh, informal settlement in which Zora Bibi lived. What they are saying is that it's only after the private security guard started Zora Bibi's uh, husband's statement is there, uh, you know they started a Lati charge. They in their self-defense. They started soon pelting. And it's, it, it's it's surprising that, you know, very little coverage that aspect has got. That's, and only
1: that's from the classic playbook where you right. actually make one constitution, constituent of the exploited underclass pick up arms against the other constituent. So the guards might be actually neighbors to that shanties. Absolutely. And they're the ones who are made to fire um, against their no, own neighbors. Absolutely. yeah. So, uh, Indu, do you want to also talk a bit about the police? Speci- uh, finish your point. Yeah. Police reaction, Noida Authority, Mahesh Sharma.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think and uh, uh, this case is a very good example of like why there's a need for legislation for domestic workers because in this case Zora BB of course cannot register a case against her employer as employer and you know uh, uh, and this is like a you know classic case in which the minute uh, domestic workers raise uh, you know an issue against their employer uh, the accusation of false theft. It's, you know, they have to face the charges. And that's and again from the playbook, right? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's like you know, uh, I think uh, what it highlights is that you know uh, there is a need for legislation for domestic workers.
1: In the Noida authority? Uh,
4: well, I suppose you know um, these people have acted totally irresponsibly, mm. and you know uh, that clearly shows that any authority that you might have, because we have seen in Delhi and other places also, I think they are, I think they assume power and it's a total, total power, and they use the power against the people who are powerless. And they would criminalize the poor, they will demonize the poor, and here, I think nobody's talking about whether she was being paid their minimum wage or not, even after UP standards, but, oh, there was a theft of 16,500 rupees. So the issue really is, these people don't pay minimum wages, these people exploit, these people have got discriminatory practices, all that is fair. But the moment, I think, these people raise their voice, they are criminalized. So this is what I feel, you know, is we need to protest against this kind of mindset of our society. The middle class, uh, the bureaucracy, the powerful, the minister, whoever it may be.
1: So for our listeners and viewers, um, a week after the incident, Onoida Authority went with many JCBs and actually raised a completely different uh, tenement which had shops of vegetable vendors, of uh, uh, fruit juice and tea stalls and all. Which was actually predating Mahagun Modern, uh, which was across the road from Mahagun Modern, a fair distance away, and which, by the way, had most of the residents from UP and Bihar, and they went and just raised it. So, Sanjay, I remember you wrote a really stinging piece about. Uh, This could be, these people could be uh, Bangladeshi Muslims, Taliban or Mujahideen, as long as they're willing to be exploited, you're fine. The moment they stand up, you're going to criminalize them and talk about it, play the terror card. But more important than what the people of Mahagun Modern did, I would like to hear from you about, what do you think of Mahesh Sharma's reaction? Mahesh Sharma is the MP from Noida. He's also the gentleman who has attended the funeral of one of the killers of aklak the first lynching, public lynching of beef lynching in India. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, uh, politicians speak to their constituency. Yeah. And um, so most domestic labor is mobile labor. Yeah. Right? They're not necessarily people who have the uh, voters, uh, voter card for that region. So politicians speak to the constituencies and Mahesh Sharma knows what his constituency is. Um, also, you know, the, what has happened is that that shifting relationship between, as I was saying earlier, and we've been discussing yeah. earlier, the relationship... No, why the, don't
1: you tell our listeners and viewers, what did Sharma actually say in that meeting with Mahagun Modern Residents? I
3: In mean, the sense that he was going to uh, look after their interests. And yes, why, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he
1: said that these people not will worry. not get bail. Yeah, yeah. that's the, right. The no, workers will not get not bail. Not get
3: bail, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, so what is, the other thing that's happened is that the great change that has happened between the state yeah. and, uh, and a fraction of the population, the middle class. Earlier, the relationship, most fundamental relationship in India was between the state and the poor, because it was a developmental yeah, state. Yeah. That has fundamentally changed. Yeah. Now the relationship, the most closest relationship in the state and the middle classes mm. as, the, uh, the, the, so, uh, as friends. So And building upon the larger political climate which exists in the country, it is now it was fair game. Anyone is fair game, yeah. as long as you can ad- identify them as threats to the, to the national good. Right. And that national good can be defined and redefined endlessly um, so as to but present... But the middle
1: class and gated community are central to the national good agenda. Huh? Indeed. And because
3: of the fact of gating, what is also happening is that you have entire generations of young people who are now living in situations where they'll never meet anyone different from them yes. except as domestic labor, yes. as workers, so as for subservient l- people.
1: So for our listeners, there's another film that you might want to watch. It's by the BBC on why poverty series it's called Seven Forty Park Avenue. It's by Alex Gibney who actually makes films on perpetrators and not on victims. Vivek, you've been reading up and you told me about how the police completely reacted differentially when it came to the Zora Bibi's a fire vis a vis the modern Mahagun FIR. and I believe there are trumped up charges. Please tell us.
2: Well I mean so whether they're trumped up or not is not something you know I'm going like I want to kind of weigh in on because I'm only going to talk about what we know to be true. Like that's that's verified. That's uh, that's factual.
1: Is there any uh, action on Zora Bibi's uh, FIR?
2: Well, no. So the the fact that the twelve that have been arrested are and that's arrested. the original FIR, right. Zora Bibi's FIR, with Beebe's the FIA. intent to um, commit homicide. So mm. that's non-bailable to begin with, and that's that. With Zora Bibi as well, there is all of these, including this kind of. Um, Uh, It's just kind of given she has four FIRs filed against her. There's one against the states, which is, again, um, I mean, to actually call it a felony in any way is doing it a disservice. Attempted murder, but yeah. one of the the most striking photos that pretty much everyone ran with, from the express to even scroll, is this really pitiable picture of these two police women, which is, I think, the only positive thing that photo had going for it, was that you, they'd use police women, kind of lugging her away like a cement sack. Like this one woman has gripped her hands, the mm-hmm. other one has her foot. This woman, mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you ever wanted a more visual metaphor for there is no agency for the poor, that that's your photo right there right mm. and like and that's your immediate treatment of someone to begin with someone who is obviously not going to physically overpower you doesn't have a weapon but that's how you do that you're comfortable getting photographed doing that as well no one has ex- expressed any of this um and you know we're still at a, and this is well before you know what the versions are mm. right and so the way you've immediately decided to treat all the actors in any scenario then also dictates which way the narrative is going, mm. right?
1: So we have to wrap this fast. Uh, Indu, what about the collectivization efforts of domestic workers?
4: Yeah, in fact, see, you know, uh, as uh, Action ActionAid, uh, we have been uh, doing this effort uh, in West Bengal mm. and in uh, Delhi and many other places also. The idea is to get a Domestic Workers uh, Act in place and uh, you know uh, because uh, until we have it you know I think I think a society is going to really abuse the domestic workers and uh, so uh, you know we have been meeting the government in Delhi we have been meeting the government in this Bengal and other places so there are national alliances actually on domestic workers in Hyderabad we've got a similar thing so we are trying to create unions of domestic workers so that they have got more voice And, you know, I I think this is an early process where I think, you know, soon uh, we should be having a law, but the problem today also is that the union government is actually decimating some of the finest laws that we've had altogether, you know. Like the labor code they're coming out with, you know, all the minimum wages and everything that they had, you know, they are coming with labor codes and all, you know. Mm. So, which would actually, the laws that we had initially, they all were made into just one code. And we are seeing as to how all these codes are actually benefiting the industry, benefiting the powerful and is discriminating Mm. the poor.
1: Okay. Vivek, this has been your concern about uh, the media narrative. So tell us what, how the media has covered both digital print and TV.
2: Right. I mean, so Ajitak, we've established, uh, has been less than flattering, I think, when it comes to well, l- the people with like the complex this. issues, nuances, um, yeah. obviously not their jam. But the thing that, that struck me is even the print and even new media and, and to a certain extent, even we're guilty of that, is that we were treating this as an outlier, that mm. this is such an exception. Like, mm. you know, a lot of the heads, a lot of the treatments, a lot of like, oh, let's go to these places is oh my god can you believe like you know yeah. I, we're all feigning shock yeah. that uh you know like all of these people that have been working at this building for two years still mm. need to wear id cards to get in but i mean this is this is almost the norm yeah. and so we're treating these as outliers but when we're thinking about normalization on a much greater scale on a government scale devianny cobra is the thing i think we should also look as an example yes, right yes uh She still has a career so
1: far listeners and viewers. Devyani Khobragade was the Indian diplomat who was actually prosecuted by Preet Bharara, the then attorney general of New York State for abusing her domestic help, Sangeeta Richards. And P. Sainath wrote a very stinging piece in Hindu that if the Ministry of External Affairs, which should be the gold standard of international labor practices, is going to be allowing and facilitating this domestic help to go on fake visa, then why don't they just absorb the domestic help as international staff role and give them all the protections? Right. So, yeah. Uh, no, I know, at
2: no point. So, a um, summation was- So, she still
1: has a job. Oh, she Oh, very still much, has a right, career. right,
2: um, yeah. and. and so what had happened and Sangeeta's was family she had to run
1: away had to US. Written, to...
2: That's the only tragedy, yeah. I think. So yeah, so she she testified that she was paying her, her domestic help five hundred dollars a month, which met the um, you know minimum wages in fact went quite quite well over uh, it turned out she was making at three dollars an hour which was significantly lower um, you know because that had to be paid out of her own salary fine so this woman uh, who put in um, 80 hour work weeks uh, and gave a huge description now when confronted like and even with the um, you know district attorney's office There was no denial that this is what had happened, that she'd misrepresented the truth, that she'd lied. In fact, the only thing was, well, yes, but diplomatic immunity. That was the first statement. And so the prosecution was not even about, you know, is this illegal? Was it? does diplomatic immunity hold sway in this case? On human rights violations. Right, exactly. So then that became a different thing. Mm -hmm. And then we had saber rattling here because this became a US versus India issue. They don't understand our complex culture. And at no point are we then addressing the fact because it's like, well, you know, she got to go to America. How wonderful. Never mind that all she saw of America was someone else's house. And not a single
1: report on Sangeeta Richard's side of the story. I don't think
2: anyone did a profile at all.
1: Absolutely. And uh, uh, Vivek has also been outraging about how hate-mongering and how absolutely abominable the hashtag Malda Innoida social media campaign has been, which has been going on from July 12th. So, Sanjay, uh, you wrote the stinging piece about Bangladeshis, uh, Muslims, Mujahideen, Taliban. Everything is fine as long as they're willing to be exploited and work for you at basement rates, but the moment they ask for stand-up, then you play the terror card. Yeah. I,
3: I, think, I think it has to do with voice, and we don't like uh, people who we uh, exploit to actually speak up about exploitation. And partly is also due to do with the fact that I think Indian middle classes love history. We hate, the we hate actually, just to put it in terms of my disability. I
1: thought we love ri- rewriting history. But
3: that's uh, that people are much more I- I comfortable in talking about how great we were and how we were argumentative in discussions, but people are really uncomfortable about talking about the present and the problems for the present. And also, you know, I think, you know, we genuinely hate the poor rather than hating poverty. We hate the poor. So if you go out on the streets, really rich, well, well-off well people will argue with the auto rikshawala about yeah, fares five rupees, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. So in this particular case, if you have someone working in a house, mm. I mean, look at your income, look at her income. What are the conditions, what are the contexts for that argument between you and her? Right. Even if you think that she's asking 100 rupees more than you should be paying her. So that notion that, um, that we are the deserving has developed really strongly and that, in fact, we are being exploited by all these people people. I mean, or, that's, that's really changed dramatically. Or as about. Abhinandan
1: might call it, over-entitled, assholery. Uh, Vivek, uh, why don't you tell uh, viewers and listeners about the Indian writing in English and why you're distressed, particularly uh, that brilliant book made in India by Tripti Lahiri, the not-so- brilliant book made less in Mumbai by Payal Kapadia, and Humipua by Gayatri Jai Ramath.
2: No, I mean, it's, it's kind of unfair to put all those three together, because one is, of course, you know, a journalist that's you know, based anecdotal incidents. Yeah. But with Tripti, one of the most interesting things she puts this together. Actually, is they, a, all
1: the three of them are journalists. Yeah. I read Pyle's oh, blurb uh, and Gayatri, Gayatri is also a journalist. Everybody's yeah, a journalist. Yeah. Well, that, that so from the banal the to the profound, from the sublime to the ridiculous, we are capable of everything. The,
2: the fraternity comes in extremes. Uh, but uh, no, this is, uh, with, uh, I mean, Tripti's book, to be fair, is also, you know, there's years of research going on as well mm-hmm. with these numbers, trying to also understand is there mobility within domestic work, right? Which is kind of really, really a question that I'm sure gets asked a lot, but it's rarely asked from the people employing domestic workers, right? Um, and so this kind of, so what she brings out again, just based on anecdotes and FIRs, was that you'd see a mobility that's removed by a generation or, you know, so if not the domestic worker herself, her grandchild. And I, and I use like the feminine pronouns because I think like is 80%? 80 face 80, face. 85%. 85%. Right. And so that was an interesting take because it wasn't so You know this this work that you said with no dignity is done entirely then at this point for a survival but at the future in mind right because you know that was another question that she had like when she spoke to the a lot of these domestic workers like would your children would you be okay with them doing this and it was just an inherent no which meant that there was no internalized dignity at all see guy i think may also be just the way the terminology is used like but that's our normalizing when we say poor as you said we're no longer thinking of the people that built the city, people that live in shanties. We are now thinking of people that feel that they haven't gotten their slice of the pie, perhaps, right? So her story is entirely about a very young middle class that is like, well, you know, I can't afford these mm. things, but I need these things to keep up appearances. The objects of right. desire,
1: keeping Whereas up with the Joneses. These yeah. are not...
2: Uh, questions that are very asked at the lower frequency mm-hmm. all right um, delhi itself with its own commonwealth games all those billboards mm-hmm. that are on munirka because we don't want to see the po- we don't want white people seeing our poor people because they're not a part of our population yeah, yeah. and and to me like uh, i think it just be kind I'm to sorry. pile
1: kapad yes, yeah so i know i know but question. one
2: one quote yeah. uh from Gayatri that was kind of problematic and she meant well and it's not Fair because I'm obviously cherry picking this. Is you know, her going, reality is the sound of a credit card being declined, and I'm like, The fuck, (laughs) how do you say
1: that? Okay, final question. We really have to wrap this up now. Uh, New York Times, Guardian, both of them have called this as maids versus madams and class war 101. Do you think it is? I think
0: um, class war, yes, certainly. Because, I mean, I think also looking at domestic work, not as something, as you already, you know, provided s- statistics in the beginning. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is also the future of work because increasingly industries are not able to provide like jobs yeah. to people. Speaking so of this America. kind of like service work and yeah. you know, other personal services is what people are going to be employed in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the way inequalities are increasing globally, this is the nature of like class war we will see in future. I will not say maid versus maddens because I think uh, we also need to pay attention to you know the middle class women struggle and I think it's not just that but like uh, larger fresh, broader fresh structures and maternity which
1: you know shape yeah. that context addressing inequality yeah. also
4: class war uh, well I would say it's uh, more than that it's a class war and In India it's a caste war also mm-hmm. because most of these people are Dalits and Muslims, all that and then also on top of it the religious war because many of them also come from you know, minority, minorities minority. and all. Okay. So I think it's all three together. And toxic multi-toxic cocktail. Multi toxic cocktail. Absolutely.
3: Uh, I, I mean, I look. I agree that it is obviously a conflict. But I'll just I'll make I'll have a slight disagreement. I think class war assumes the ability of the other group to respond. Hmm. So a class war in the Western context was hmm. when a trade trade unions were formed and they were fighting for higher wages and many cases succeeded and went on strike, etc. Whether it's the U.S. case or Australian case or British case, especially the British case. In our instance, that idea of the formation of a class itself is stymied at this at the start because you're not you don't allow even the legislations to be passed. You don't allow trade unions to exist because now, in fact, you know this entire maid thing has been corporatized. You have the agencies that supply you with maids, right? Mm. Which actually stymies the whole idea that they can organize for their rights because the agencies say, look, we're giving you good people to work, mm. right? So there is no case to be made out that they're going to suffer any indignities because right. they're being good. They're in good work conditions. So I agree that it is constant context of conflict. But I think the term class war actually implies that there is some ability of the other group to respond. And I don't think that in our instance case, we actually, the state, various mechanisms of the state, us, we managed to undercut that in various ways. So another one.
1: Vivek?
2: Oh, no, it's just a question. So you're saying the regulation is, we in have fact, to detrimental. We up. Ah. We're
1: running over time. Sorry. So on the final note.
0: No, I just wanted to, I mean, I think I have slight disagreement on that simply because, I mean, I think the reason I'm saying it, it's a class war because I think simply the way working poor has been pushed and their interests have been pushed, I mean, I think this is not likely to, to it is not sustainable. And, you know, when people are oppressed to that degree, they will respond. We see our domestic workers are unionizing. And, you know, there are times when, uh, recently, there was a rape of a domestic worker two years ago. Even today, uh, women domestic workers go there and protest. I will say, like, you know, it's like, of course, like, you know, uh, caste and gender, other, you know, uh, Mm. uh, uh, marginalization which are there, but also because of simply, like, the material interests which shape their condition, and workers are responding to that.
1: So if you think we're rushing through this, it's because there is something tectonic which has happened in the national media which needs to be covered also. But having said that, we really hope this is the first of a series of conversations we will have. And all of these panelists are fantastic writers, so we really hope they're going to be writing for us also. I would like to conclude with a paragraph from Harsh Mandar's seminal book, Looking Away, where he is responding to Catherine Stockett's book, which has been adapted into a film called Help, which got Voila Davis the Oscar. So he writes, uh, this is a book which is written about the the domestic workers in American South in the 1962. So he writes, what deeply troubled me after I read the book was that the humiliation and exploitation suffered by domestic workers in southern U.S. half a century earlier was in fact, in many ways, less oppressive than the daily lived experience of an estimated 3 million domestic workers in middle class homes across urban India in the second decade of 21st century. And that, this causes us so little outrage. Let that stay with you. Thank you for joining us. A shout out to Raman Kripal for not only facilitating the Facebook Live, but also encouraging us not to fall into the trap of false equivalence. Vivek, my colleague and co-conceptualizer of the show, Karthik Nijhavan, fantastic producer and Hitler timekeeper. And last but not the least, Vijay Nogin, Indu's colleague who was very magnanimous in sharing a lot of the numbers. Please support independent media, Please support News Laundry. Help us to keep news independent. Thank you. This is Piraj Fai, signing off. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent.
0: To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.